You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 197, covering Apocalypse Rising and The Ship with Vishal Baradwaj. Hi friends, guess what? A f- an old friend is here who hasn't been here for a while. It's it's Vishal. Hello, Hello Vishal. Hello. Back, How's it back going? by popular demand. Actually, yes, correct. you were specifically requested yes, by, by, by a one listener. Person. Said... <laughs> uh, that person was me, but still. No, no, there was a listener, one of those strangers, like oh. stranger dangers that write in oh, and, and said, I really like Vishal, you should have him on again. Thank nice you, one, Stalker. You're officially more popular than either of us. <laughs> yes. Nobody says, can I hear Matt again? <laughs> that, you know, well, I mean, me either. I just, you know. <laughs> oh, you don't want to hear me either, huh? You dick. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I kid, of course. Ah, oh, we're real friends in real life. Come on, we we made this agreement when we first started podcasting like five years ago. We will not be the show where we insult each other. That is like every other show. We're not going to do yep. that. I so. wonder what happened. I don't know. <laughs> Why do we fight when company's here? <laughs> we're trying to impress him. Yeah, Are you we're showing off in Vichel? front of Vishal. It's banker. For those of you who don't know, uh, Vishal is the guy who designed our incredible logo, who does the artwork for all the supplemental episodes, mm-hmm. and who is just all around a, a, a great pal and, and a fun guy. And uh, He lives very far away, and it's not super easy to get him on the show, but when we have him, it's it's a delight. Yes. So We appreciate you being here, Vishal. We do appreciate you being here, Vishal. I, I appreciate yes. being here, uh, you know, by this stalker guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, he's he's he needs some more samples of your voice. I guess he's building mm. like a Vishal bot, maybe <laughs> some kind of automated Baradwaj. I'm Gavardi Shepherd, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did enjoy that. Uh, so yeah, we we uh, unfortunately, due to timing reasons, we were looking at your schedule and who was already scheduled for episodes, and it's like the here's a giant Klingon episode <laughs> for you to be on. We know you which is your favorite it. thing. Yeah, you 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 are on the record as being not the biggest fan of Klingons. So uh, welcome to season five, Vishal. <laughs> Hope you survived the experience. <laughs> welcome to the twenty fourth century. <laughs> I'm Captain Picard. Haven't got to do this voice in a while. Matt. Hi. Why don't you tell us about Apocalypse Rising? Very well. All right, so everyone's super tense on DS9, waiting for Captain Sisko to return from his meeting with Starfleet Command, vis-a-vis the whole turns-out-Garon's-a-changeling, and that's a real bummer. Finally, Sisko returns, and he's brought the Defiant. Wait, no, that's the beginning of Season 3. Excuse me. He's actually just brought news. Starfleet wants to send a crack commando squad behind enemy lines to infiltrate an elite team of Garon's personal guards and then prove he's a founder by planting shoddy tennis balls around. Unfortunately, crack commandos are not available, so Cisco brings the mechanic with the obvious accent, the worst Klingon alive, and the broken changeling who needs a friend. Some quick surgery from the Julian allows him to pass his Klingons, and ride on the good ship Ducat's stolen bird of prey from last season gets them safely to the rendezvous. K-Squad is able to infiltrate a Klingon party by hitting each other, yelling, and pretending to be interested in Klingon strippers. Eventually, Gowron does show up, along with his number two from a few episodes back, General Martok. Unfortunately, our boys are then quickly identified, not because their makeup failed, or because of Chief O'Brien's accent, or because Gowron is right over there and he knows Worf on sight and fucking hates them. No, I think somebody just tipped them off or something. Anyway, 
they put they put them in the Klingon brig, which is weird since beating the shit out of fake Klingons seems like the best way to finish a really good party. And then Martok shows up to spring them, but in his he- but his hesitance to defeat Gowron in combat and his willingness to just straight up murder Klingon guards leads Odo to figure out that Martok is actually the changeling. The fake Martok instantly attacks with attacking with his tentacles in front of all the Klingons, Gowron, and the Channel Six action news with April O'Neil pretty much blows the game too. Klingons shoot the changeling about a billion times then. And afterwards, Gowron starts to plan the end of the war, gives everyone medals, and pulls Worf's pants down in front of all of Kronos because he seriously still fucking hates that guy. <laughs> so are we sure that Klingons don't have tentacles? Is that what you're saying? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Okay. So then Warf's I mean, they have a backup spine. What's that, Vishen? What's Gawk well, it's, te- it's tentacles, but it's not their tentacles. That no, they're not gross. cannibals. <laughs> yeah, let's let's not be crazy here. Okay, and, and also K-Squad? Uh, Klingon Squad. I needed a name. Ah, very well. Klingon Squad in color. In color. K-Squad. <laughs> I do like that it was the most fortified, they say, the most fortified location in the Empire. And we see it, and it's a little building on an asteroid with two ships by it. Yep. Like, no that could will, be somebody's house. No one will ever find it here. It's one of yes. those secret forts that, you know, kids or uh, groups of men have. They're like, no, it's it's, it's secret. You can't go there. But it's Oh, and it's full cabin. of woods porn? Yeah, it's it's all p- porn they found in the woods. Exactly. <laughs> I just I, I you say fort, and now I'm picturing it's all made of pillows and like elaborate blanket networks. That's and, right. And that's or like that Canadian Klingons movie where, where the kids make that snow fort, and then the dog saves the war. <laughs> I think the movie's I, called I The Dog Who Saved one. the War. It was oh. the dog. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, this uh, apparently this episode exists because they never meant to do this whole Klingon war thing. It was kind of a distraction. Yeah. Like, oh, we got to get uh, Worf on the show and all this. Yeah, and like, we we need to get back on track. The that. whole point is the Dominion. And so this this was to get them sort yeah. of back to where they were headed. And uh, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. Like, there's a lot of crazy contrivances, but I it's fun. It's a pretty good episode. I like, you know, I like seeing our guys dressed in terrible Klingon makeup uh, trying to blend in for uh, for an hour. Yeah. And, you know, it's always fun to see Gowron. Yes, absolutely, it is. Yeah, that that is actually my good thing. That you know, despite yeah, despite being uh, famously lukewarm on all things Klingon and Dominion, I quite enjoyed this. You know, this uh, Star Trek does not do caper shows all that well, and thankfully they that is true. um, Thankfully, they eschewed most of the usual, uh, you know, the usual things where it's just okay. Every single act has to end with all our people in peril. Right. So, you know, it's good. It's just an, it's a fun episode. You, they just get to dress up and they get to make Klingon jokes for half an hour, which is not that bad. You know. No. Get to spend the entire episode beating the shit out of each other and yelling and climbing on big statues. It's awesome. And, yeah, I mean, and, exactly what you expect Klingons to do. Yeah, and meanwhile, back on the station, the Bashir gets to interrogate people. Yeah, for <laughs> some reason. Bashir's only job is to go round up all the characters who aren't in this episode and check in, like, oh, what are you up to? Hi. How about you? How are you sure feeling this week? this week? Right. Oh, Jake Sisko, we've never had a chance to talk together, have we? Come have we ever actually talked to each other? <laughs> yeah, do I know who you are? I mean, I know you're the commander's son, but uh, little Ben? Who ben? are you again? Oh, you're that ben. British guy my dad hates. <laughs> what? No, that was years ago. No, what? he just said it the other day. He still hates you. Now, you must be thinking of one of the other British people on the ship. I don't think so. Also, it's a station and not a ship. I know it is. Shut up. It's a station? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, this changes everything. 
Yeah, that was it was that was a little weird. And there was a great sort of meta scene where Kira mentions that she's pregnant to get us caught up. Mm. And um, and she says, this is and, all yeah, your she, fault. Yeah, she looks right at him and says, this is all your fault, which is nice if you know that she and Ale- Alexander Siddig are involved in real life and, and he knocked her up. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's a fun little what? thing. But, which also you know. leads to my other favorite little joke of the, the, the little encounter between Kira and um, Dukat. Where she tries mm-hmm. to explain her pregnancy. Oh, yeah. He's like, wow, Minister Shakar works quickly. Oh, it's not his baby. Well, whose is it? Chief O'Brien's. And then she walks away. Yeah. Major, you don't have a follow-up to that? No? Nope. You figure it out. You you got the intelligence network, right? You, you, you and all the out. cool pirate it. swag. There's about to be some intelligence in there. I love... And we, we will follow... Like, without really spoiling specific mm-hmm. plot things, we will come back to... Ducat and his pirate gang of like renegade Cardassians fighting yep. Klingons yes, in from, their stolen bird. From of what prey. I remember, Major. I think pirate Ducat was my favorite Ducat, and oh, there, yeah. and most of Ducat is my favorite Ducat. So, yeah. Major, would you like to see more of my fake medals I gave myself, Major? <laughs> he's decorated like, like you know, like a war hero. Yeah, he's, he but... comes like he's wearing his normal Cardassian uniform, but he's got a sash and like all these weird little medals and stuff clipped. And on. let's be clear, he is not an active member of the Cardassian military right now. They are acting on their own. Yeah, he gave himself those medals. This Which is this so, is just a soup ladle. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's so Ducat too, you know. But there's there's no authority. They don't answer to anyone. No. Like literally, there's no other explanation for that. I stayed up all night crafting this sash for myself, Major. I awarded it to myself for killing eighteen Klingons. <laughs> this is my best cup. <laughs> hey, hey, give that back. No, this is like the year twenty three sixty or something. Right, like, and you're... I still plan to own the best cup by that point. All right, fair enough. And be like alive. Your, your, your future on my head jar. Yeah version of you it'll be balanced on top of the head jar fair enough he's got like little like monopoly pieces like he's got the thimble and the yep. and the car and the shoe just like stapled to his thing well they have monopoly tournaments on the ship well, every time it he walks al- into quads. it can't always be about uh fighting klingons <laughs> what were you gonna say vishal i said every time he walks into quads he just takes the whole sash down and just like shakes it and all the pieces come down and he's like there you go <laughs> little children start running around like it's candy and gathering them up <laughs> My my sash is also a pinata, Major. Yes, That's we actually, have those on Cardassia. Actually, Matt, when you were talking about uh, beating the shit out of fake Klingons, like that's what I pictured. <laughs> was like them hoping that the Chief O'Brien and Odo and and Cisco had candy in them and just have them hanging from a tree. Yeah, hitting them with batleths. Yes, exactly. Still better than being home with my wife. <laughs> oh, my this horrible, brings back memories. <laughs> Oh, it's what just are... like our first date. Oh, I thought you were talking. I thought you were talking as Vishal, as like, oh, I haven't been on the show for a while. That's right. You do terrible Irish accents and and make fun of Keiko. That's correct. No, I was trying to I do a terrible that. Irish accent as well. So, <laughs> but do it. I did. That give was us, it. Give us your O'Brien. <laughs> oh, this brings back memories. There you go. Excellent. Oh, tatar tatar. Fiddle tatar tatar tatar. I did a little jig for you. <laughs> He does, as Matt says, make one of the ugliest Klingons. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. It's like... And Cole Meany's not a bad-looking dude. Yeah. Well, you say that because, you know, he's got the similar look to you. That That is true. Shut up. <laughs> I'm not even saying that is a bad thing. 
I'm saying it's a little arrogant for you to, oh, he's a handsome guy with those curly locks. And, uh... <laughs> My God, he's gorgeous. <laughs> you know who else is handsome? Matt. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. I wasn't going to say anything, but yes, you're right. Well, Vishal's working on a butter sculpture of you as we speak. So. <laughs> oh, you just waited. Like, I don't know if you've seen the thing that's going to show up in a week or two. Oh, I oh, have. Yeah. No, they they have not on our, oh, on our other show. Very uh, good. It's going to be a few weeks, but uh, yes, it will be delightful. I have, though. He has, oh, yes. <laughs> Let's just say I've got a new avatar coming. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what was your bad thing, Vishal? Uh, my bad thing was sort of the... You know, this show, Star Trek never does capers well. And while I liked the fact that it was all just banter and all that, I do think that, especially since they didn't have any B-plot, you know, it's disappoint- yeah. disappointing how much of the episode is just filled up with, hey, look, we've got Klingon makeup now. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and my bad thing, which didn't make it into the document that we use for some reason, even though I pasted it in there earlier. Sure. Good thing I have a memory. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> Uh, what well, no, there, there, this, this, the first, the front part of this episode is so exposition heavy. Yeah. There is so much set up, set up, set up for 20 minutes, like catching everyone up to all the different plot threads and then setting up what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it's, the show is usually not that clumsy. Yeah, yeah it is quite clumsy because they literally have two scenes of just straight expo- exposition. And we were talking about yeah. this when we were seeing it that they do this particular technique. It's not quite the walk and talk, it's like the ping pong exposition. Where you have a bunch yeah. of characters yeah. just standing around and then the camera just ping-pongs from one to the other. Well, yeah, and you have ops, so the mm. camera can go up to that second level mm. and then back down again. So at least it's kind of visually interesting, but yeah, it's not. Uh, they, it, it they, just, do it, it doesn't... they do it twice in an extremely glaring way, I think. The first one is, yeah. you know, oh, look, all these guys are coming back, which is literally the first scene you see after the previously on. Yeah. Right. And then And the thing is that's the point of previously on is to get you caught up yeah. so we don't have to do that. But then they're like, No, no, wait, we need to explain why these people are coming back with uh, you know uh, with half their runabout blown to bits. And then you have right. a, a second scene in the conference table room where they're basically laying out their entire plan for this caper of sorts. Yeah, now here here are all the plot points that yeah. are going to happen. Here are we're all going the to put things. these things around the room. Yeah. And then we're and going then, to take yeah. this extremely finicky prototype device because obviously, you know. Of course. And then we're all going to have to stand in four corners and then sing, you know, a song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. None of this would have happened if they just brought some laser triangles. Yeah, you and your fucking laser triangles. They work every time. They don't do anything. They work. That's what they do. I don't, like, for, for people who haven't been listening from the beginning, Matt loves laser triangles, and that's the end of it. There's no further explanation other than he likes when triangles, or when lasers form a triangle. That's right. All right, then. Um, my good thing was Cisco makes a hell of a Klingon. Yeah, yes. He, and not just visually, like visually he's got the right look for it because he's a bit scowly, he's a bit intense, whatever, but it's more his, just his bearing, his voice, his, like, there's a point where they're in jail, they've been made, they know they're humans, and he's still acting like a Klingon. Oh, yeah. Mm. Like, Martok's like, I can't believe you, blah, 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 and he's like, I don't care what you think. Like, it's, it's like, still just, you know, I, intense. And I've oh, got some honor for you, Martok. Yeah. I've got it in a little sack I brought with me. It's in one he of these fingers. Big... <laughs> Is it the small one? No. Is it no. the ring one? No. It 
could be the middle. <laughs> yes, it is the middle finger. Yes. Yes, it was the middle one. <laughs> we don't have that gesture on Kronos. Well, too bad. You're getting it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> on here on the Klingon homeworld. <laughs> on the most fortified garage in the Empire. Yes. No one will ever think to look in the spare shed. I will say this, though, that there is probably at least two or three shots where you got probably 20 guys in Klingon makeup. Yes. Like, oh, yeah. It wasn't just camera tricks. There were a lot of guys there. And I, I yeah. brought this up as part of my bad thing, that just doing that was probably going to take up most of their budget and their prep time anyway. So yep. that's probably right. why they didn't, didn't uh, have more, more of a plot. <laughs> yeah, the rest of it was thrown <laughs> away on those uh, giant Klingon statues. Mm. Right, which apparently one of them was General Chang from Star Trek Six, which is very cool, That's but we, ne- awesome. we never really got a good look at that. No. Hmm. But I wonder if we ever get a Blu-ray, if we would see that, that would be very cool. Hey, you know who's not on there? Worf's grandfather lawyer. No. Worf. <laughs> also named Worf. Worf, son of Worf, house of Worf, street of Worf, neighborhood of Worf. It's right near the Worf. In the Providence of, in the Providence <laughs> of Worf. It's right near the Worf. That's terrible. <laughs> How is that joke not being made in the last, you know, hundred and something episodes? (laughs) A lot of seagulls by this wharf. (laughs) (sighs) Ah! Well, now it's the Kling, or now it's the uh, Springfield nuclear plant. (laughs) (laughs) That's Uh, fine. They have a wharf too. Yes. Matt brought up a good suggestion about maybe they should have just had the entire episode at the party and not bothered with all the setup. Yeah, that, that. That would have been fine. I got a real vibe that it, this episode would have gone better if they just started it uh, in Medias Res at the well, party. Well, they don't. They, they, Star Trek never does that. I know, like, but they should. It's weird. I know, but you, you. I mean, starting in the middle of a story is way better. But, but they always give a setup, 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 and then they do. Yeah. I mean, they have done that a couple of times. I think when uh, Troy found herself as a Romulan, that was sort of that's as, true. They know, did as, do that. As late as yeah, and that worked really well. Yeah, I well, still think that was dumb. Yeah, but, see, we remember yeah. it after all these years. I haven't seen that in 10 years, but, you know. Yeah. It's like, every episode of Star Trek is like writing a uh, is like writing a high school essay. Hmm. First they tell you what you're going to see, hmm. then you see it, and then they talk yeah. about what you just saw. And and that is the, the hallmark of a good caper movie, that you always start with the plan. Yeah. Right. But here there is no plan, really, other than we need to get these four things in this room and align them. We know this guy is a changeling, so we're going to go and show them that he's a changeling. Yeah. Like, there's no, there's nothing clever happening. No, the, most of the plan revolves around having a good time at the party. Right, which yeah. they don't even know that part of the plan until they get there. Yeah, no, and they just they get arrive, there and Worf's like, yeah, so we're going to get really yeah. drunk. And yeah, Worf says, oh, by the way, yeah. the next 24 hours are just going to be us drinking. I didn't mention that before, but yeah, that's a big part of this. Why didn't you mention that? Well, you would have said no. Yeah. And and the the Irish guy and the guy who just discovered drinking yeah. probably not going to say no. Yeah. That was one of the nicer things. The fact that Odo, who is now uh, has a liver, is putting it to good use. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I've only had this it. thing a week. I might as well break it in. Yeah. No, I I, I actually like that. There's a mm-hmm. nice arc starting here with Odo, which he is just bitter and miserable and and. But at the same time, he's know. discovering all these new things that he never thought possible. Right, but mostly just to disguise the fact that he's bitter and miserable. Yeah. Well, that sort of, it ties into my good thing, right? Like, you know, now that Odo's human, like, I love that this episode's about showing, you know, that he's not there because he can shape change, which is good because he doesn't do it very often because it's expensive. Well, they could have easily done the Troy lost her powers and she feels useless and can't do anything story, yeah. but instead they show that he's still useful. Yeah, that, that was the problem with that episode, was that when Troy lost her powers, he was like, oh yeah, so you are useless. 
Yeah, that's you literally just lean on the one thing that makes you different from everyone else yeah. that is just part of your race that doesn't actually make you that special. Yeah, but o Odo's not here because he's a shapeshifter. Odo's here because he's a fucking good detective. And I yeah. love the way he sort of busts Martok in like the five seconds that they're around him. Yep. And he's onto him pretty much from the beginning. You can see that. Yeah. You know. Yeah, actually, I was watching with Amanda earlier and she pointed out too, there's stuff in his body language that is way yeah. more apparent because he's a Klingon. Mm-hmm where he doesn't make eye contact a lot and he's slouching and some of that is yeah, the he, way he always carries himself and some of it is because he's sort of feeling terrible because he's solid now. Yeah. But I but, really like that. But the mm-hmm. second he realizes that something is off with Martok, he's back to that same old Odo stare. Right. That's well, that's what I mean. There's a, there's a bit of an arc there to him where he's feeling useless and then he gets it back. It's just yeah. like, click, oh, I know what's happening. No, I can, I can still do my job. I still have a brain. Yeah. And then I think That's... it's I think it's interesting to note that by the t- next time we see him in the next episode, he's busting people again. Hmm. Well, busting Quark anyway. Yes, That's right. I mean, Back into the could, swing of things. He could do that in his sleep, really. <clears throat> and I know in the next episode, Quark is importing some kind of spiders, but in my brain, it's bees. I don't know why. <laughs> no, they don't allow the bees. bees on the station. <laughs> What's that stand for? <laughs> bees. We just slap uh, a quick bee on this box. So we know it's full of bees. Now, Hennemore, <laughs> this box of bees is marked with a B. Even you can't screw this up. <laughs> All right. Uh, what was your bad thing, Matt? Um, so, Worf, basically just the biggest liability on this mission ever, right? Like, look, Cisco, Odo, Chief O'Brien, all unexper- unexperienced Klingons. But, well, Cisco takes to it really easily, as I said, yes. but the other two not having a great time with but it. But Worf is famously hated in the Empire, and there are a lot of Klingons at this party, and none of them seem to recognize him. And even if they don't, Gowron is going to be there. They know he's going to be there, because that's who they're waiting for. And he knows Worf on sight, and he hates him. Okay, I will say this. I I truly believe that what Worf goes through twice through the course of these two series, lots of Klingons go through. There are a lot of discommendated Klingons. I think this is happening off and on to Klingons constantly. See, it's not the honor thing so much as just Gowron fucking... No, 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 no. I, but I'm, I'm, I'm addressing the first part. Oh, okay. All right. I think to these guys, who knows? Maybe he's been discommodated. Maybe he hasn't. Uh, this happens so frequently to all different guys that they can't keep track of all that shit. Sure. Like, Worf's not particularly hated any more than 50 other Klingons that the same thing happened to. But yes, specifically Gowron has, like, told him... You are not welcome here anymore to his face. And he's the one who did it. Yeah. (laughs) He's the one who stripped his honor like a a month ago or five months ago or whatever. Like it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Maybe a year ago. But, you know. Like, you guys are going to have to be in the same room. You really want Worf here? And the thing is, in in the episode uh, last season when uh, uh, Kern... When they wiped his memory, which I didn't love. No. Uh, they, but they, they sort of plastic surgery his ridges so he looked different. Yeah, he looked they like the done new that. family he was going to be a part yeah. of. They could have done that to Worf to make him look like a different Klingon. Yeah, well, that would have made a lot of sense. Yeah. But no. He let his hair down like the sexy librarian in an 80s movie. <laughs> well, and they assumed that would be enough. Off here. And they yeah. didn't bring Troy along. I'm not Troy. You mean Dax. <laughs> Dax. <laughs> no, that was well, the other thing. You guys mentioned that during the episode. Yeah, she is the most Klingon, like, of anyone. She knows more about them than, including Worf. Yep. And they didn't bring her. And apparently the behind-the-scenes reason is that Terry Farrell is horribly allergic to the makeup. Hmm. 
Now, are we sure of that, or is it just something you think you remember from when you saw it the first time? No, I looked it up this time. <laughs> Look, I'm still apologizing. Not gonna cr- I don't want to cross Terry Farrell again, I'll tell you that much. No. Even if she has retired from acting, apparently. She hasn't retired from stomping me with her six-inch heels. <laughs> yeah, you wish. I kind of do. Uh, <laughs> I still, this, the Becker thing still sticks with me, though. Like, well, I was wrong Becker. about the other thing, but the, the Becker thing's still not great. <laughs> no, um, but yeah, she totally should have been, like, instead of O'Brien. Yeah. Because we already had Odo being a bad Klingon. We didn't have, need to have two guys comically being bad Klingons. Yeah. Yeah. And it, he really so, does sort of stick out there. It's funny, but... Yeah. It's also, you know, it's funny when General Martok is hitting on him, but, you know. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> Which you were g- convinced he wasn't just sizing him up. He was yeah. he was trying to, like, hey, when we're done here, you want to come back to my place? So what are Sing you doing the songs. <laughs> there will be songs sung of this night. I can't Not quite, children. I can't quite yeah. place your accent. Where did you say you were from? Uh, the Hoylands. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they brought O'Brien just because he had an apostrophe in his name. Yep. That's Klingon enough. <laughs> O'Brien. No, I, I think Walsh logic was, wait, there's going to be drinking. Let's bring the Irish man guy. <laughs> At least we know he can hold his booze. Yeah, we bring the Irish guy and the guy who just discovered drinking. Mm-hmm. We're good, and Cisco will just sip. The thing is, like I say, Cisco got so into it. Oh, man, that is a dude who's been looking forward to being a Klingon. Yep. I just, I love when we come back from commercial and he's just... The other guys are standing around, and you can just see Cisco in the background beating the shit out of some of some Klingon, and he just walks up. Well, there's a there's a great scene where the Klingon's bragging about his exploits, and apparently he murdered uh, a guy that Cisco went to the academy with. Mm. And Cisco makes a point of kicking his ass. Uh, he was between me and the bloodline, but really, it's just because he killed his friend. Yeah. And it's, like it's not hard for him to find an excuse to kick the shit out of someone. No, I love Cisco. Yeah, me too. It's it's pretty fantastic. Yeah. I I still this is a thing I've brought up before, and I I don't want to keep bringing it up because it's just part of Star Trek. We have to accept it. But really, the plastic surgery to make you into a different alien race just I don't I still don't buy it. No, there are so many other things about their well, culture, about the way they talk, about their organs, like everything. And, and mm-hmm. it's just a consequence of saying, okay, we need to get our main characters into this situation. You know, in in right. any other place in any real world let's say situation you wouldn't send the commander of a space station on this infiltration no a commander of a space station whose background is building ships (laughs) and and an engineer you know just because oh your officer came up with this theory that he's a changeling you should be in charge and go on the actual mission no no you use that intel and you get experts we haven't this is a minor spoiler i'm not going to say what context it is it, we will reveal that there is an agency within starfleet mm. that handles cloak and dagger stuff yeah. mm. and we'll get more into that when they show up but um actually it's not really a spoiler at all cuz it was also in into darkness yeah. they they mentioned them by name yeah but we won't we won't talk about how they come up or who's in it or whatever until we yeah. get there where we're, but where yeah. but, yeah. but but, but the starfleet does have intelligence the same way that like the the, the romulans have the tal shiar and mm-hmm. the cardassians have the obsidian order starfleet has something like that mm-hmm. case score yes it's the bureau for intemporal investigation yeah exactly <laughs> those guys are those that that's that's a whole other thing mm-hmm. which we will see in two weeks yay uh, I looked over the episode list and it's like, okay, this one, I don't know which one this is. And no, oh, Trials and Tribulations in two weeks. Yay, we finally uh, made I'm it. I'm so happy. Best After so many trials and tribal jokes. 
It's so much trouble at all. I nearly ended my subway with that, but then I was like, hmm. <laughs> "Am I allowed? I don't know anymore." Oh, you're absolutely oh, allowed. Guests are allowed. You're, you're the guest. You're allowed to do whatever you yeah. like. Okay. Macbeth. Macbeth. Um. No. <laughs> oh wait, we don't care about that. I don't know if you heard our live the live show that that's, we did on sarcastic. That's Voyage. exactly what I was. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I heard an audible gasp in the audience when I did that. I can't believe Brian. that actually worked. Yep. That was fantastic. Uh, Matt, you didn't mention in your summary mm. the, uh, the, the, the shed or whatever the hell it was that they went to is called Tiger Core. Oh, yeah, it's Tiger Core. I'm sure it's pronounced, or it's spelled differently, but it's pronounced Tiger Core. It's got a it's bunch pronounced... of Qs in there. Yeah, and, yeah. and apostrophes, of course. Which, as you pointed out, sounds like a uh, sounds like a '90s troop of soldiers. There is nothing more '90s sounding, I think, unless it was like Extreme Tiger yeah, Corps, <laughs> Sergeant Slaughter and the Extreme Tiger Corps. Right. I think I was in Tiger Corps in the Boy Scouts. <laughs> <laughs> is that? Are you being? Are you being Indian racist? Because I mean, you're allowed. We're not. <laughs> no, I mean, I was in the Boy Scouts in high school. In school. Oh God, school. I'm so sorry. <laughs> For a couple of years, and yeah, I think we were in a Tiger. Squad, tiger group, whatever, I don't know. Tiger assortment of uh, pubescent young men. I think it's a murder of pubescent boys. <laughs> I think that's what it's called. No, I, I just thought you were An going like... An intense of pubescent boys. <laughs> I just thought you were going with uh, Great Tiger from uh, the, the Punch-Out game. Oh, God, yeah. I do not know that reference at all. Oh, uh, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, yeah, the, I the Indian character. The, the turban. most racist Nintendo game ever made. Okay. It's fairly racist, yeah. <laughs> hey, look, we got I was about to try to defend a few it. years later. It's not like things went uphill from there. No, it's not. <laughs> not really, no. Indian guys have stretchy powers, right? That's a thing. Sure. And right. breathe fire. Uh-huh. Well, I'm in the bathroom and the kitchen right now, so yeah, I guess <laughs> Well, the thing is, I can I can tell when you're about to speak, so I I, I try to be quiet because the the gem on your turban glows, <laughs> and so I know that was that was his well, tell when you were boxing was he would about to he was about to punch when his when his turban gem glowed. Well, also, before every major statement, I say sim sim salabim. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did call us a Fendi earlier, which was strange, but uh, yeah, there were some other terrible Klingon names in here as well. Somebody was something son of Borat. Oh no. <laughs> My wife. <laughs> yeah. Although Kazakhstan does sound like a, a Klingon place. You want to <laughs> come we wrestle? <laughs> also, there's a, there's a point where somebody says, uh, Gowron must die. And that would have been a much better a title for this episode. fucking title. Yeah. You know, like the, like the classic episode, Edith Keeler must die. Yes. Exactly. Uh, I think... I think that's all what I had. Else? Else? Let's see. Pirate Ducat, yes. Vishal, you have any, any additional mm. observations or things? Well, it's the second appearance of Damar, right? He's still not a guy yet, but yes. But he has a nice little moment in this, which is just... Where, <laughs> He's got a sneer. Yeah, where they where they blow up, they get, uh, they're in Ducat's pirate bird of prey, and this other bird of prey shows up, and Ducat just blows the hell out of it, and Damar is like, hee 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 Yep. Just stops. Good oh, time. we're evil. <laughs> we're incorrigible. So would a pirate bird of prey be a parrot of prey? <laughs> God, if only. Go back to I would room. love if Ducat had, like, a little bird of prey that perched on his shoulder. <laughs> to go with his medals. Yes, pieces of eight. 
<laughs> Pieces of eight, Major. Major. Oh, there was one other thing which I don't think was deliberate. It might have been. Pulp Fiction was out at this point mm-hmm. for a couple of years. But there's a bit when uh, the, the, the Changeling Martok, like, straight, you know, does the tentacle thing. I think Cisco shoots him. There's a brief pause. It's like the exact perfect amount of comedic time. Mm. And then everyone draws their disruptors and shoots at once. Yep. Yeah. And it's just perfect. It's that moment in Pulp Fiction where the dude comes out and shoots them. They look at each other. They look at him and draw their guns. Yeah. And it was it was so fantastic. Uh, but that's all I got. How about you guys? Um, I think that... Oh, um, what, what was it? Damn it. Something Gowron related. Uh, well, we, we have, as we have said, peak Gowron in this episode. Yeah. Oh, man. Which relates to your quote. I love the uh, I love the reveal that uh, since he's not actually the uh, he's not actually oh he's just been he's just been making shitty decisions. Yeah, he's just he's not. He, it's not that he's been impersonated by a changeling. He's just a terrible leader. He, well, I think the implication is that Martok's been whispering in his ear and sort of guiding him to the bad stuff. Yeah. but but yeah, I do like the overall plot of if 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 Martok can convince them to murder Gowron for him. Mm-hmm. Then he can take over and make it look like their fault. Yeah, like that's some pretty insidious that's, shit. That's there. good planning. I think so. That's why the changelings are good bad guys. I think. Yeah, I think that's very. And, and I like, think that's if, very founders. If this show was made today, then that's probably what what Ronald Moore would have done. Yeah, probably. That's a very that, that feels Moore. very Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, very Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, there is definitely like the whole idea that anyone could be a changeling is very similar to the idea that anyone could be a Cylon. Like, yeah, I, yes. I, all I'm you need sure to do is that, have but... sex with them and watch as their uh, spine lights up. Yep, right. It's it, for the changelings. The spines turn to liquid. I think. <laughs> Just run out the back of the bed. Right. Uh, so, Matt, your quote is like like we say. This is Gauron. Gauron with an excuse to yell in a giant room. It's MC Gauron. It is the most Gowron you ever get because yeah. he doesn't have to calm down to talk to people in a conference room. He gets to bellow to the whole room full of guys. He nearly yeah. says, are you ready to rumble? Yeah. Oh, God, if only. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that guy still has that phrase copyrighted in the 24th century. Yeah, so Al, you're going to need to edit this out. Yeah, I can't. Uh, Don't forget or else we'll be sued. Are you ready right. to rumba? <laughs> That's what I said. Yes, of course. Rumbar. It's... um. It, it's it's almost as bad as uh, Happy Birthday. Oh God! Which we're gonna owe com- so much money by the end of this episode. Well, I, I didn't sing the song. The, well, there's also enough. John Cage's four minutes and thirty three seconds. Oh yes, no, we've never had that on this on this show. Or Taylor Swift's eight seconds of white noise. Is that a that's thing? a thing though? Oh okay, I know the John Cage thing is just literally silence, hmm. and uh, I I've never been quiet for. Four seconds, much less four minutes and thirty-three <laughs> seconds. You couldn't be quiet on old radio because then the transceivers would cut off as a safety. Right, right. No, this is literally um, true. The BBC still sort of do adhere to that. Yeah, it's like a it's it's like a um like a noise uh, hmm. uh, sensor or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, um. Right now I'm thinking of the whole happy birthday thing. There was a Paul F. Tompkins had posted he it was his birthday at some thing, mm-hmm. and he posted a YouTube video of everyone singing to him. And he, uh, the the Tumblr tag was Mildred and Patty Hill, and that just made me laugh so much <laughs> for some stupid reason. I just I love that reference that these two old ladies who are long dead, I think, 
own happy birthday and you have to like you have to invoke their names whenever you sing that song or they will haunt you or something. Yeah, they'll, no, they'll appear in the mirror and drag you into it. Right. It's like Bloody Mary. Only, yeah. You know, Bloody Mildred. Old lady. Old, old ladies who wrote happy birthday. Ugh. So anyway. I know what I think scarier. <laughs> Crazy Galron. And uh, your quote is is one of his like most over-the-top yeah. deliveries ever. Glory to you and your house. That, Which is fantastic. That one's been a long time coming, too. I yeah, I've, I've, I know. I've referenced that one a bunch. And if, if we hadn't already used Gowron as a cover at least once, mm-hmm. I think he's more bug-eyed in this one than ever. Oh, my God. It's like they were trying to... He looked like an old Ghostbusters action figure. <laughs> if, if the if the wonderful person who made that uh, picture of his eyes on uh, on Kai Wen, yeah, could just do that, but with uh, Klingon O'Brien, oh, that should cover. I see now. Now I want it to be like um, there's a there's a Tumblr out there yeah, where people uh, put uh, googly Steve eyes on. Uh, yeah. They put googly eyes on X Men covers. Okay. I want to see people putting Galron eyes on various horrible things. That would be yeah. fine. That that actually started with the Steve Buscemi Tumblr. Really? Steve Buscemi's eyes on... I mean, the, the googly eyes thing was a separate sort of thing, but mm-hmm. uh, Steve Buscemi eyes on every celebrity you can think of. <laughs> the thing is, it's Steve Buscemi really has nice. distinctive, horrible yeah, eyes. Yes, but, he does. But, but Robert O'Reilly has even worse eyes. What was the one we were talking about in the episode? He wanted to put uh, Galron's eyes into uh, Cisco's Oh, Cisco's dad's, dad's nostrils. nostrils, yeah. <laughs> Which, there's yes. an image. He has some very large nostrils. Yes, he does. All right, I think uh, I think we're about finished here, yeah. and now we get to move on to the incredibly memorable title, "The Ship." Mm-hmm. The I can't... ship, not wow. to be confused with one little ship from uh, season six, right? Or ship in a bottle, or message you... in a ship, or one of those other words. <laughs> you might as well SOS. just call it the episode. Yeah, like it's literally the most generic title yet. Yeah, I uh, mean, I'm I'm sl- slightly sad that we're not doing those art titles like we used to back in the original. Oh, series. if you have one, bring it. I mean, I, no, I, I suggested don't. one this, for the last this, one. This title was so generic, and the episode, unfortunately, was similarly, uh, you know. And we will we will, when we when we start discussing this, we will find that I think I disagree with you guys. Like I mm. I enjoyed this one more than you guys seem to, but uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely not going to be easy for us to recap in a year. Yeah. Um. But, but yeah, why don't, why don't you tell us right now? Why don't you tell so, us what happened? What happened in the ship? Yes. Please do. So half of DS9 senior crew are off in the Gamma Quadrant, but very far from Dominion territory, like three weeks far. Nobody's <laughs> going to come here. It's fine. We get to do whatever we want to do, which in this case is scouting locations for this week's bottle show. Uh, I, I mean, a mining operation. So O'Brien gets sassed about being an old man who can't tell the difference between mountains and hills by future audience sympathy device Munez, who it turns out in USA this that has actually shown up before, but hey, I don't know. That was a surprise to me too. Then to the surprise of no one, a Jem Hadar ship crashes nearby. Well, showing up surprises no one. Crashing is, you know, quite a surprise. Yeah, they're usually it's, better drivers than that. Yeah. It's lousy with corpses. But they all died mysteriously before the crash of natural causes of uh, being slammed into walls. <laughs> this is really a legitimate mystery because I can tell you now, spoiler, they never explain why. Nope. Meanwhile, back on the station, the rest of the series regulars get their mandatory one line in, except Jake, in a handy sequence that serves as both exposition and B-plot. 
Odo is back to being Odo, Quark is Quark, and Dr. Bashir is a well-intentioned sucker. Carry on. <laughs> Once again, surprising absolutely no one but the Federation survey crew, a second Jem'Hadar or ship warps in and promptly destroys the orbiting runabout. Ground troops finish off everyone except Cisco, Dax, Worf, and O'Brien, but Munez is wounded in a way that's definitely never going to be mentioned after this at all. No way, no. <laughs> also, we discover that Jem'Hadar ships are piloted by the same crappy virtual reality arcade game technology that we had in the 90s. I sort of miss those, except when I don't. <laughs> right? <laughs> Cisco and Dax are thankfully saved from low polygon tunnel vision induced migraines. <laughs> by a hail from Gilana, a water, who offers to negotiate. But first she flirts with and offers both space carrot and space stick to Cisco. Then plays the old, it's my first day on the job trick. Meanwhile, the real trick is in play in the form of a cloaked Jem'Hadar beaming in and infiltrating the ship. Luckily for the crew, he's the worst Jem'Hadar ever. <laughs> and after trying to stab our guys, he promptly dies and Munez is smug but dying hand. Tensions rise among the crew because Munez! <laughs> and then Gilana comes back to apologize some more and, you know, more of like, it's just my first day on the job and all. And actually she offers reasonable terms, but Cisco's like, no. <laughs> I guess we've reached an impasse. Yes! <laughs> Bye! So the Jem'Hadar bombard the area with concussion blasts so they don't destroy whatever the ship has that they actually want. O'Brien puts double duty, triple duty actually. He fixes the weapons, he gets the ship running, he's also tending to Munez who by now has fully gone into this will look so good in my real mode. <laughs> Meanwhile, Dax looks for clues. That's basically all she does in the entire episode. Mm-hmm. And Worf breaks things and complains about things. That's also what he does in the entire episode. In fairness, so, that's what he does ever. <laughs> well, yeah. So anyway, because of this, O'Brien and him get into a fight over letting Munez die. <laughs> then Cisco goes full Cisco and gets the crew to get back to doing exactly what they were doing before. Fixing things, looking for crew clues, breaking things and dying loudly. <laughs> they get the engines running for a minute or so, but need to shut it down or risk a core breach. This happened a lot on Voyager. I don't know how often this happens on uh, DS9, but it was literally every second week on Voyager. There were a lot of core bridges in Next Gen, as I recall. (laughs) So anyway, Munez finally dies because of all the rumbling, and he's Mm -hmm. followed soon after by a piece of furniture that was actually a changeling. Yes, that's what the Wata and the Jem'Hadar wanted. The sofa that died. (laughs) (laughs) There's my alternate title for this episode. (laughs) The sofa sofa. that died. The Jem'Hadar kill themselves in shame. Gilana and Sisko have a tearful breakup and talk about how things could have gone a lot better if only they had trusted each other. The Defiant arrives and tows the ship back to the Alpha Quadrant. Everyone gets a medal, and the dead crewmen are remembered and fretted over by the regulars for one more empty emotional manipulation. Their memory is sent off to the minor entries in Memory Alpha, where there will be no trip... Nah, they're just dead. The end. (laughs) (laughs) Jolly good. Okay, yeah, Munoz actually has been in at least one episode before. This I know is that what you've sure. told me, and I don't remember him. No, he was just a guy. Like, yeah. the thing is, we don't usually see O'Brien and his crew. It's usually just some other guys running around and doing stuff. But I'm pretty sure he was in the 
season three finale when they're chasing the changeling around the mm-hmm. defiant and O'Brien and his guys have to get something working. Oh, yeah. okay. And I think he's one of the guys that are like, I, I'll, I'll do my best, sir, you they, know, or whatever. They did this towards the end of TNG and especially a lot in Voyager because Voyager, the crew had to sort of remain the same where you'd have yes. people who just had no speaking roles in the first couple of seasons, but they were around and they were named characters. Well, and I mean, then, that's what that we watched O'Brien go from an unnamed character yeah. to, you know, a primary character on a different series like that yeah. happens sometimes. Yeah. But I would say he was in it almost as much as um, Eddington. Oh, yeah. Who then suddenly had a big reveal and buggered off. Mm, jerk. So, you know. Also, Vichelle, I, I do remember all that virtual reality stuff. You remember when virtual reality was going to be like the future and everything was going to yeah. be virtual reality. And then suddenly we just stopped talking about it. It's, on, yeah. it's coming Until back now. now. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, oh. the, that's what uh, the Oculus Rift thing. Yeah, the Oculus yeah. Rift. Thank you. Oh, I don't know. I just I I always think Virtual Boy and like no, mm. no, thank you. It's understandable. Virtual Boy sucked. I, I just remember everything being red. Yep, red and black. Yep. Look how yeah, 3D I think it I, is. Look how little I care. I, I tried the the original virtuality or whatever they used to be called. Mm. Mm-hmm. They were uh, yeah migraine inducing. That was about it. Yeah, there were those old what are they, what do they call them? The vector like um the the battlefield game or whatever it was yeah. where you look in like the periscope thing and mm-hmm. it's all like mm. is that what they call those the the games like asteroids with like the weird lines? Maybe. Yeah, they were two D polygons and vectors. I think. Right. And they um, were all they all originated from. Uh, scientific equipment so that was the easiest thing to make with those yeah that's how like arcade the, uh, started like the original star wars arcade game mm. right yeah where you're in the uh, x-wing yeah that was probably my favorite like one of my favorite well, arcade fly games. down a trench yeah. yeah over and over again they, they just kept building death stars yep. well i mean accurate <laughs> yeah, I know. this is true uh vishal what was your good thing about this episode uh my good thing is that i i really ended up liking the she water uh, gilana which I, mm-hmm. who I mistakenly used to refer to as Lady Weyoun a lot. <laughs> I think Wamoon. Wamoon, Lady Yoon, Weyoun. Yes. But you guys leave Gilad. the portmanteaus to the, ex- to the experts here. Yes. Okay, well then what would I you mean, say? Uh-huh. I'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I mean, there was a lot to like about her. She's very pretty. She has, uh, you yeah. know, on a purely aesthetic level, there's yeah, a huge tracks of land. <laughs> <laughs> Vast. Yeah, and and you, you, uh, while we were watching, had a sort of had a not a problem, I guess, but you, you pointed out that her cleavage was maybe a bit much. But I think that was very much in character, since literally the first thing she does when she meets Cisco in person is flirt with him. Yeah, no, I think you know, um, and, in much in the same way that Wayun's supposed to be the uh, like the used car salesman type, hmm. she's supposed to be like the sexy Hooters waitress who's trying to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who's like, trying oh, to it's get my you first day on the job. No, I, I loved watching her go through her various, like, hmm. diplomatic tactics. Hmm. Those were great. I just, I thought, and, and again, I am I am a heterosexual male who enjoys looking at women's breasts. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. It just felt a little, I don't know, like, it didn't feel like it fit the character to me very hmm. much. Oh, like, okay. it, it didn't feel right to me. No, I, I liked that she was obviously out of her depth, but she had been trained to be some kind of, you know... Because it's it's very transparent the way she just sort of flips on a dime. First she's flirting, then she's you know yeah. carrot stick, uh, then bombing, and then it's my first day on the job. Then back to carrot stick flirting. You know, it's right. like she's she's extremely untrained, but she has. No, I liked trained. that. I liked that. I just I again I thought the outfit, and again I like the actual outfit. Hmm. I just thought maybe if she had an undershirt 
or or something. I don't know. It just it felt a little. So you just wanted more support, is what you're saying? Yeah, basically. Uh, yeah. yeah. Again, just because of the yeah. character, like the, she was certainly visually pleasing. Oh yeah. She had a she had a she had a uh, young Majel Barrett vibe to me. Yeah, very original series. I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's the a lot of uh, number one in there. Yeah, number one in a bit of Nurse Chapel. Like she could totally play a younger version of Luxana. Let's yeah. Say. yeah. I can and see that. Cool. And then sort of continuing with my good thing in an episode where pretty much everything was you know, by the numbers in some way. It was nice that she was an anomaly because you weren't quite sure whether she was, uh, you know, whether she was in control, whether she was just making the best of it. Yeah. She didn't yeah, seem if like she knew If there's was... some con going on that, yeah. that she's distracting you while something horrible is happening or if she really doesn't know what's going on. or Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the, you, the, it the, keeps you guessing. The Vorta continue to sort of fascinate me just as characters because you never mm-hmm. really, at this point, we still haven't sort of latched onto what they're deal is no and they're always you never like they've the the writers have done a really good job of making it so that we don't know whether we can trust them either yeah exactly because it's like they 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 act so sincere to your face but they're very clearly working for the bad guys and we've seen them enough that we know there's probably something going on yeah but then for a minute you're thinking but maybe it is her first day yeah yeah it's it's possible if they're that deep in dominion territory maybe they haven't dealt with humans before Mm. maybe they don't know what's up I, i don't know and no, it's it, like it, when when you it, get to the point where I'm taking her side against Cisco, it's like, dude, you're yelling at her quite a bit, and she's being very uh, yeah, yeah she is actually like, okay, being reasonable. Are... Yeah, well, but that's all the Vorta have been like that so far. Mm-hmm. Wayun was like that too, where some awful things were happening around him, and he did not like he was unflappable yeah. because that's their thing. It's like, look, I know you don't actually want control of the Alpha Quadrant, but I'm still gonna offer it to you because that's part of the job. Yeah, like he's he had a lot of that. Like, look, I know. <laughs> Listen, my boss would kill me if I didn't offer this to you. So here, here's like literally kill me. Yeah, <laughs> but I yeah no I I did like the character quite a bit, mm-hmm. and apparently the first Vorta we ever saw was a, a female Vorta named Eris, and apparently they've been trying to bring that actress back a couple of times, and we had another female Vorta the second time it was supposed to be her, and they couldn't get her, and this was supposed to be her again, and they still couldn't get her. Mm-hmm. But I do like that we're seeing different Vorta this way, so that's mm-hmm. that's okay. That Eris is to Eris. Right. Oh, that's yeah. terrible. It's not a port parto. You can't. No, it's a pun. <laughs> it's still bad. It's a pun or humorous play on words. My my. Well, humorous. <laughs> my bad thing was that pun. No, I'm. <laughs> Your bad thing is cleavage. You established this. Yeah. Oh, listen. What do you have against cleavage, Al? Yeah. Well, my Don't head. Don't support I'm lucky. cleavage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is making me uncomfortable. Ah, then our work here is done. I have tried so hard to make this show like... You have tried so hard, yes, yes. <laughs> I am trying to make this show not creepy for women to listen to, and you guys are not making it easy. <laughs> well, if if it comes off as creepy, we apologize. We're uh, yes. certainly not trying to. <laughs> Profusely. <laughs> uh, what was your bad thing, Vishal? Uh, my bad thing was the other, uh, the other guest uh, role in this, which is Munez. Who really? I think is a good actor who is uh, delivers his lines well. He's got you know good lines. Most of the humor of this episode comes from his his gallows humor. He's literally dying and he's you know uh, still and ribbing with, ribbing Chief O'Brien the whole time. Yeah. yeah, but I feel the plot itself is just too trite to be actually be effective. You know, I see what you mean. Yeah, basically the episode is the Kobayashi Maru scenario. You know, you're in a situation that's sort of impossible to win, and you're going to lose people that's sort of the lesson of the episode 
for Cisco anyway. Mm. But see, but, I feel like that's very Deep Space Nine. Cisco is constantly put into, and we'll see this in future seasons more, yeah. put into situations where there is no good, you know, there's no clear way out where no one's going to get hurt. And he makes the tough choices and, and tries to do the right thing, but there's still horrible consequences. And yes. that's one of the things I like is Cisco's always got this shit weighing on his conscience. And finally, we have an episode where they take a minute and say, yeah, but here's all the guys that died. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, we we got a we got a, a a Dominion ship, and we can study it and maybe learn stuff. But four guys die or five guys died, and that's not great. Mm-hmm. Like I, th- this is a Cisco th- exclusively Cisco thing, I would say. Kirk shrugs it off. Picard probably does it off camera, but we actually see Cisco lament about this. Yeah, and I like that. Well, it really, as the war guy, it really sort of uh, like you know that's yeah. important. Yeah, it absolutely is. You know. But, I mean, I see your point, Vishal, that yeah. this does feel a bit contrived. It does feel a bit standard. It does, because it never quite sells itself as anything more than... It's sort of like the previous episode. You know, you have a, you have a caper movie in that one. In this one, you have a a, a siege uh, right. scenario. Yeah. No, and, and they the, the guys who wrote it even said that they wished they hadn't had any scenes outside the ship, that it oh, should that have all been cool, yeah. Yeah, that inside okay. the ship and been really claustrophobic and, yeah. and not knowing what's show. going on. Yeah, having I mean, the having the female Vorta just be a voice. Yeah, and, just yeah. be a voice. Yeah, that would but, have been more, uh, more certainly more tense because they play that up, you know, with the with the tensions between the crew in the ship, right. where they're at each other's throats, literally in some cases. Yeah, so, and and actually, this feeds into my good thing, hmm. which is Star Trek has taught me to always be suspicious of some bullshit telepathy or whatever when people start getting hostile. Yeah. So it was a real treat to discover they were just, you know, angry and stressed like people get. Like O'Brien almost punches Worf dead in the face and was like, great, some alien. Like the secret thing that the that the, uh, the, the, the Dominion are after is some mind some kind of mood thing. altering thing that's yeah. making yeah. everyone crazy and turn on each other. Magic dream, Brandon Braga bullshit. Yep. But instead, no, O'Brien got mad because Worf said we should kill Munez because he's a liability and he's going to die. Yep. And O'Brien's like, no, this kid's going to live. He's under my command. I like him. I want him to live. And it, it was real tension. Mm-hmm. And that's what this show does better than any of the other shows. These guys get angry at each other. They hit each other. Like, can you imagine on, on Next Gen or even on the original series? Like a, a main character almost punching another main character in the face because he's angry at him? Thank God, no. Like it just it didn't. We're it all we're all happened. friends. Yeah, and this is the nicest guy there is. This is Chief O'Brien, the mm-hmm. the lovable guy that that no one ever gets mad at, and who's always easy to get along with. Yep. Almost punched the other guy in the face. Yep. Just wow. The clicks on that too. Not you know not small yeah. potatoes. No, no, he didn't go picking on Bashir or something. No. Like the guy who he would have gotten one. Can, the guy you can skip across a lake. Yeah. <laughs> he the guy who one gets good hit in trouble in then... for importing spiders. <laughs> not bees spiders bees. yeah exactly um matt what was your good thing uh mine ties into uh, michelle's bad thing actually i really liked uh uh munez for a guy who the second he got shot i was aware of the fact that he was going to die he was going to be dead by the end of the episode but you even said we weren't positive like maybe he pulled would have pulled through in an x-gen episode he would have pulled yeah through. no that's the thing though i'm like oh man it's like, oh, this guy, this guy got shot. He's gonna die. And then I was like, oh no, I actually really like this guy. I hope he doesn't die. Yeah. 
But I don't know. I think I think you guys aren't entirely at odds because I think mm. Vishal concedes what yeah. you're saying, which no, is he's I, a likable character. Yeah, the character is good. The plot contrivance is what I have. Yeah, the actor is good too. Well, it's a it's a yeah. very contrived episode, honestly. Mm. Like it is, but so is the previous one, yeah. really. Yeah, it's a lot of coincidences have lined up for both of these plots. Yeah. Also, these both these episodes are lousy with medals. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Everyone gets a medal in everyone. In, in There's a great scene at the end where Cisco's yes. just miserable that these guys are dead. And Dax is like, aren't they happy that uh, you got the ship? He's like, oh, yeah, they're happy. Really? Yeah, we're getting medals. And she goes, oh, good. And they both just have these looks. They're just yeah. like, oh. Yeah, yeah that, that makes that everything better. I'll throw it's... it on the pile. Yeah. <laughs> that, that'll make it all better. Yeah. We, these medals will make those dead guys come back. Yeah, no, there's there's and, a great uh, look from, uh, from uh, Dax where she's just like, whoop this shit. Yeah, yeah. My good thing for the episode was nearly just Dax and the way that she's finally coming into her own as a character. Yeah, we've been saying this like I, I think about halfway through last season, she really started hitting like her Dax stride, yeah. and she's definitely there now. What's nice is she's usually the one to defuse the tension with a nice yeah. little joke, and yeah, in this episode, she, in this episode, she does it, but everyone's so tense that they're like, "Dax, shut up!" Yeah, yeah. Like it doesn't work this time, and it's I like nice, that. It's nice. It's nice that you know, like in real life, the humor never doesn't always land no usually it's like okay we needed that thank you but every now and then it's like don't be that guy this is not the time for that yeah yeah also she wasn't her joke was not very funny either it's just like it it all it isn't always uh, is the uh, thing uh, not right now okay sometimes people people are working you, you know this as well as i do as a as a as an aspiring comedian sometimes the idea that you're the first person to say something not serious Mm -hmm. to break the ice is Mm -hmm. better than necessarily having a funny line that is true just to, to indicate, hey, it's okay, let's go in this direction. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always have to be a great joke. It just has to be, it's okay to joke now. Mm-hmm. But it, it wasn't in this case. Yeah, and, and that is how she how she seems to deal with the situation anyway. And it usually works, but this time they yeah. were all really not happy. <laughs> so what was your bad thing, Matt? Um, Worf was real shit in this one. Mm-hmm. Like... I, I know everyone's under pressure and everyone's tense and everything, but this dude's been in Starfleet for years. He lived among humans his entire life, and yet he cannot wait to be the guy that tells uh, Muniz he's going to die. He's telling him, he's telling O'Brien. It's like, dude, you know better than this, and you are way too well-established a character to be acting like this and for me not to notice. So do you think he was out of character? Yes, I or do. do you... I think he was really? very out of character. He <laughs> might be thinking that. He would not be saying that. He was saying it very loudly, and yes. it was very clear there were only three rooms in this whole ship, yeah. so clearly Munoz could hear him yeah. telling O'Brien, if, he's going to die! Yeah. And it's, it's, not... almost worse, it's almost worse that he doesn't actually say that to Munoz himself. Yeah. yeah. It's almost a little more cowardly. His, his team away, you know? Like, he's, right. he's and... never been that. He's been the guy, like, he's good boss. That's mm. true. And also, it doesn't seem very Klingon to me to not fight. Yeah. Like, death is coming, I better give in. Yeah. No, it seems like, death is coming, fuck you, I'm going to fight you until I can't. Yeah, exactly. That seems more Klingon to me. That's way more Klingon, but this is like, no, you you should lie down and die, we don't have time for you. On, on the other hand, I do like the tension that that creates between O'Brien and Worf. I just think it could have been better written. Uh, you're, you're probably like, right. I th- I, yeah, the idea of the crew turning against each other while all this is going on is a good one. Like, I think the episode in, in general, the concept is really good, I just don't think yeah. it was written well enough. Yeah, and it does seem to have, uh, I guess, uh, gone through a few writers. This one, I didn't mm. uh, look at. Well, up. it sounded like it was a it was a uh, a, a spec script because I didn't yeah. recognize the initial two writers, but then it was polished by one of the regulars. That doesn't surprise yeah. me. 
I, Which, I, I looking on memory alpha, they said they were disappointed as well. Like, mm, like yeah. they were saying they thought it should all take place inside the ship. And there were a couple yeah. other things. I liked oh, it. Yeah. I don't know. Which is why it, it never goes as it. Never, thankfully it never wears into the complete cliche. where like, okay, now we need to escape from here. Moon as you hold the phaser rifle and you know, he's like, I'll make you proud or whatever. Yeah. So, right. But the thing thankfully is there, it doesn't do that. There are a few pretty cheesy lines. But mm. they are completely sold by great acting. Mm-hmm. Yes, there is a point where Cisco, you mockingly, Vishal said, uh, "And your your job is not to die." And then he actually said that. <laughs> yes, but he sells it because but he because he's Avery Brooks and because he's got that fucking great command intensity and the presence is like, no, that's kind of cool coming from him. It would have been a cheesy line for yes. most people, but he made it work. There's actually a, an acting moment that is incredibly subtle. It's after, okay, Munya's dying is not subtle. That's the least subtle no, thing in the entire episode. Oh, I, puppy, I'm coming. Oh. And in fairness, he was not a, he was not a, a, a stereotype in any yeah, way. Not until the end there, no. But he does start babbling in Spanish, which is fine. No, it's not even a stereotype. He's just No, he's but Hispanic he's babbling in and... Spanish because he's hearing the concussion blasts and mistaking them for fireworks in his childhood. At, at Carnival, yes. Yeah. So apparently so he's Brazilian, so he should be speaking Portuguese, actually. Yeah, that would make more sense. Uh, it was a summer trip, you know. Yeah. Um, they probably have carnival in other Spring countries Spring break, well. woo! Maybe it, was the, maybe it was the Day of the Dead. <laughs> Say goodbye to these. <laughs> it's Cinco de Mayo, Day of the Dead, and Carnival all at the same time. There you go. Oh, right. Salt. Yeah. Um, By the 24th century, they've gotten rid of all these extraneous holidays. They just put mm-hmm. them together. Yes, right. and they call them Xmas. <laughs> but there's a there's a bit where like he he actually dies. There is a lingering moment where the camera sort of goes to all four of the characters: O'Brien, mm. Dax, Worf, and Cisco. And there's not a single word spoken. It's all in the eyes. Yeah. And each of them just gives a perfect reaction, perfect in character. All four of them just at the top of their game, acting entirely with their eyes, and it is so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you realize all of these guys are are great. Like there's no there's no duds in this cast. Like I've said before, I think Alexander Siddig is maybe not up to speed with with the rest of them, but but apart from that, I still think he's good at doing what he does. Yeah, if they keep him in his narrow range, he's great. He's good at playing that character. It's almost like because I've seen him in other things in Syriana Mm -hmm. and whatnot. He's very good. Unfortunately, unfortunately, he gets that he he has to play a terrorist a lot thing, which is not great. But no, uh, in Syriana, he wasn't playing a terrorist, which is no. He was a he was an oil sheik, right? Yeah. Um, actually, he's going to be in the new series or new season of um, Game of Thrones, and I saw some oh, no, pictures of him, him in in costume, and that looked pretty cool. Um, but anyway, no, if if they keep him in that sort of charming area, like the young, charming, brash, sort of arrogant guy, mm-hmm. he's fantastic. Yeah. Like our man Bashir was perfect because oh, he was yeah. like the, James Bond is right in that area. Mm-hmm. The sort of silly PG Woodhouse character. Yeah, but but charming and mm-hmm. cute and clever and yeah, just. Like he's great at that, and actually, your last uh, uh, cover art you did for us for the um, hmm. supplemental episode was was Arman Bashir uh, inspired, and it was fantastic. Yeah, thank you. It was a horrible likeness, but yeah. <laughs> I disagree. But uh... I, the, 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 we've talked about this before. You did a cover for the first one you did for us, I believe, was hmm. the last thing we did for the original series, and you did Kirk Spock and Bones, and they looked nothing like Shatner, Nimoy, and Kelly, but they still look like Kirk Spock and Bones. Yeah. Like you, you got the characters, but you didn't get the actors. So that's hmm. you know. I think you did yeah, the same I seem thing to, here. I seem to do that a lot. As in, I try for the likeness, but then I just throw it out the window. And... But I'm you still do have an artist. You do have an an eye for what makes the character like mm-hmm. like you know exactly who that is. Still, 
it's like uh, the, the first time I kind of recognized this whole phenomenon was in the uh, Indiana Jones games, the LucasArts hey, yeah. games. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah, where the guy voicing Indy sounds nothing like Harrison Ford, but he sounds exactly like Indiana Jones. Yeah, they, uh, yeah. they nailed that. But he, he, the... they, they, they sound nothing alike, and yet that's Indy. Mm-hmm. And and on the visual level, those pixel art sprites, you know, uh, not to give it away, but I've been looking at those specific ones uh, mm-hmm. quite uh, in quite right. detail recently. Those those are really good at getting conveying the character. Oh yeah, now you look at like the old uh, Monkey Island games, and they captured emotions. Yeah, but amazing. particularly the particularly the indie the, um, the indie ones because you're going after likenesses. Yeah, like you're, yeah. you're doing Harrison Ford and Sean Connery and so forth, and. And they they still look like the guys, even though you all, you have like thirty pixels to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those yeah. The, those faces are literally nine pixels. Yeah, and and somehow it's you insane. get a complex face, like with expressions and with yeah, it's fantastic. Anyway, uh, back to the episode. So my bad thing was I really like the camera angles in the ship at first. Mm-hmm. Like the ship is upside down and everything's sort of askew. And I, 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 but after a while I started getting anxious and I eventually realized it's because I was waiting for a Batman fight to start and it just wasn't <laughs> happening. Like, when are the Riddlers guys going to come in with their crazy names across their chest? When, when O'Brien punches Warf, it goes, Sock! <laughs> Y'all do caught, you diabolical fiend! Oh, Christ. Um, what's his heart name? Heart plays... <laughs> What's his face who plays Ducat would be a great Batman villain. Oh, God, oh, mate. Right? He would I be don't the, know, he, Caped I Crusader. Think, I think he would play a great every Batman villain. As in, imagine yes. if he was the Joker and the Riddler and the Penguin and Batman. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, seriously, those angles, if they were any more Dutch, they would have shot this in the Netherlands. <laughs> it was just bad. <laughs> if this, If those angles were any more Dutch, they would have split the bill. <laughs> if those angles were any more Dutch... The check. I don't know anything about you'd, the Dutch. You'd fart under the covers, and isn't that called a Dutch oven? Maybe. Hmm. I don't know. That's a new one on me. Yeah, right. Dutch Any- oven is a large pot that you can put it's into. It's also it. when you are in bed with someone, and you fart, and you hold their head under the covers. It's awful, and I've never done it to anyone, but that I've heard of that being done. incredibly cruel. It does. But that is, that is a thing. Yes. <laughs> Anyway, speaking of people who breathe foul things, there's a Benzite in this episode who doesn't have the little uh, breathy thing, which is weird. The mouth guard I or think, whatever. I don't think all Benzites might be some subtle variation in the makeup to change that. I know that the original TNG ones did, but I know that mm-hmm. I've seen Benzites without those. It could be that, and Memory Alpha just said, like, their their technology mm-hmm. has evolved or something. Mm-hmm. Which no, is, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Although yeah. we, they do talk about like, uh, probably a Benzite. Yeah, in the previous episode, a Klingon mentions that he ripped a Benzite's breathing, like, breathing thing out. Or yeah, whatever. but I mean, that could have been a couple of years ago. Yeah, or he could just have been like a hipster Benzite. And he's like, no, I just still want my breathing tubes. Right. The tubes look really cool, man. They do. Is the thing. I don't know. I, just, I, I, am always, I am always a fan of aliens that have a- trappings yeah, of an alien. Like, not everyone breathes oxygen. Not it's every, like you know, my, it's nice. uh, my complaint about the Jem'Hadar is always that, you know, they go to all that trouble to do the makeup and then the rest of their bodies are just sort of in a very skinny uh, cover-ons. Yeah. Right. You know? No, I, I agree. And um, actually, speaking of alien stuff, I don't know if it was in one of these episodes. I think mm-hmm. it's the second one 
where Bashir mentions the whatever weird alien crewman they have who buds. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's budding like 18 babies or whatever, and it's a nice little... Again, like, him and Kira like, are only talking Kira about thinking about her kids. Right. And it's nice Kira's thinking about carrying one baby, and then, and then they mention this male alien crewman who's like giving birth to 18 well, he's babies. Budding. He's, yeah. he's not technically... Right. He's, if he's... Well, he doesn't have to pass it through any kind of horrible organ. No, no is it, I don't know if, I don't know if still, he's actually... Yeah. He's producing offspring, but he's budding, which is uh, a lot of uh, microcellular organisms do that. You know, the wall walks and right. things like that. Which you right. can see no, on I just, the I wonderful like, I... webcomic Zero Duck now and then. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll give you your plugs no, at I the end. Just, uh, we're almost finished. <laughs> I want the, I want two My plugs. stalkers don't have patience. They're not going to wait till the end of the episode. I give two plugs to you and your gallant crew. <laughs> Actually, I Everyone think we're about finished anyway. Oh, wait, I have my uh, quote, right? <laughs> yes, I just want to... Do we have any other further uh, uh, things to discuss Maybe before we business. get into the quote? Matt, anything? I think I got everything. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, Vishal, I'm, your quote. Please please <coughs> to be setting up and playing. My quote sort of uh, comes out of that thing where I said that there were multiple writers on this, and I sort of have the theory that they gave Dax all the uh, you know voice of the writer lines because she's constantly calling uh-huh. out the absurdity of everything. You know, Cisco comes back from his <laughs> negotiations. She's like, I take it things didn't go well. <laughs> right. Uh, so yes, there's this bit where uh, they figure out that the Jem'Hadar wants something on the ship. And, you know, then there's mm-hmm. this, uh, not quite exposition, but everyone is, parlor room, everyone's figuring out the bit. Right, yeah. the accusing parlor. And then um, this happens, I guess. The porter doesn't want the ship. She wants something aboard it. Any idea what? It could be anything. Encoding device, guidance system. Maybe she lost an earring. Yeah, it's it's not the best line, but in, and no. I will admit, as a writer, that is a crutch that I use quite a bit myself. Yes. Like, this is stupid. I better just have a character say this is stupid, and then everyone <laughs> yeah. will know that I know it's stupid. But her delivery of it is just so good that it is. That's the that's what I was saying though. She's she is definitely like it, it's kind of like the Marina Sirtis thing where she's great if the writers yeah. would figure out how to use her, and they, at least they have, and it wasn't they didn't have to wait six years like we did with with uh, Marina Sirtis. Yeah, there's there's several good performances in this episode. All of which are completely different from the others. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, no and, one is and, doing the same thing. Right. And I, again, I can definitely acknowledge to you, like your guys' points, that there are some sort of contrived things and there are some sort of cliche things, but a lot of the acting sells that for me. Yeah. Like a lot of the, the you know, don't you die on me. Like that, I don't know, Cole Meany makes that work. Yeah. No one says stay frosty and I'm disappointed. Uh, watch your six. Not in this episode, but. Uh, right. Yeah. All right, so go home and fuck the prom queen. (laughs) Was that your your Sean Connery? And my my Scottish in one. Uh, Well, Sean Connery. Sean Connery is not Scottish, he's Sean Connery. Right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Scottish is a whole other thing. Scottish is uh, Mike Myers doing anything. Oh, I. Oh, I. In my mind, Scottish is always David Tennant. I see my my Scottish is my my grandfather who was from Scotland who actually sounded like he should be called the Colonel. This sort of thing, you know. Ross Watt here. <laughs> he didn't sound Scottish at all. But uh, all complete right. complete uh, left turn. I have actually been accused of sounding Scottish by an Irish person. Wow, that is yeah, an I insult. I don't. I didn't know how to take it. It was. 
They do not like each other. I was like, okay. <laughs> I know this because that that very Scottish that very same Scottish grandfather would be very insulted when someone would look at young me with my red hair and say, "Oh, what a nice little Irish baby." And he would be very upset. No, oh, you son of a bitch. My grandson you. is not Irish. <laughs> all right. So that is all for the non-spoiler section. Let us now go to the spoiler section. All right. Uh, did we have anything for the spoiler section, actually? Well, I, I feel like we I, did. I think most of that would have to do with uh, the water because, you know, Wayun is coming back. All right. Back. We're going to get Wayun yeah. again. Yeah. Did she come back? Yeah. I don't know that she. I don't know that we have any other recurring uh, Vorta other than No, Wei it's Yun. like once they, they figure out the Wayun works, they just stick with it. Yeah. Well, they love uh, Jeffrey Combs, and well, once they get him, he's he's really great. But yeah, he I, is. I think it's a it's a shame that we don't get to see water interacting with each other as much. That's true. I don't know that we ever see two Vorta at the Isn't same time. Isn't there the one that uh, tries to? Uh, there um, is one episode as far as I remember. Tries I don't to remember. escape or whatever. Yeah, I think one of the Wayuns tries. Oh, to tries escape to defect. That's, that's right. A, yeah. That yeah, 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 that's like season seven yeah. or something. Yeah, and they don't believe him. And yeah, I do remember that. Um. I, I, I was I was pointing out that uh, apparently, it, it, I, I mean, all of us think the ma- like when you think of all the secondary characters on the show and how great it was, you think uh, Martok and you think Damar and you think mm-hmm. Wayun. All three of those guys have appeared twice. Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. Uh, actually, Wayun only appeared once and either died or haven't done anything. Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird to think we've seen all these characters, but they haven't really done anything. Yeah, they just they haven't arrived yet. They're here, and, but they haven't. And I was reading in Memory Alpha, apparently they realized, wow, Martok is a great Klingon. Why did we kill him? Yeah. And then they said, oh, wait, we that was a changeling version. Maybe the real one's still alive. We can bring him back. Yeah. And I'm glad because, yeah, I, uh, Vishal, you mentioned he's like your favorite Klingon. Yeah, he is. And he comes back with the eye patch, right? Yes. Like, it's not an eye patch so much. No, he doesn't have a patch. A whole, yeah. like, just yeah. no eye. Yeah. He's just missing an eye. Yeah. Which is way more badass than even General Chang and his bolted on eye patch, yeah. I think. Hmm. I, I did like the bolted on eye patch with with the tiny Klingon insignia on it. Yep. Yeah, my the, my favorite part of DS9 is actually all the side characters. Yeah, yeah that's that's, that's, that's what's great about the show. It has good. a really great extended cast, mm-hmm. and also Rom. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck I you, keep... Rom. <laughs> yeah. I if... don't know if I disliked Rom more than Nog or Nog more than Rom. Oh, Rom is so much worse. Well, he's around more. Yeah. I don't know. Nog has his moments, and I like Nog and Jake together. Yeah. Hmm. Whereas I don't like Rom and anyone together. Yeah. Brother. He, yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> Michelle, I say this to you. You have drawn us nothing but incredible things, and you do it for no money at all for, for us because we are friends and because you enjoy and the because show. because you do this for no money at all. If you were making right, money but, of this, I would be charging like hell. Oh, of course. <laughs> and I would happily pay you because I would have money to give you. From but my point is, if you gave me a free drawing of Rom for one of the supplementals, <laughs> I would throw it away. Well, I, you, don't check your mail over the next few weeks. <laughs> you You're going to get nothing but pictures of Rom. You have free reign to draw anything you like, and I will put the show's name on it, except I, Rom. I was nearly going to do, you know, instead of Our Man Bashir, Our Man Quark with, like, the sexy Bond girl. That would be great, too. But, but then we I haven't said, done the I terrible. I could do that with everyone. I could do that, you know, with Kira and Mirror Kira. Well, we haven't done the, I the know, terrible. I know Matt would love that. That would be we fine. Haven't, we haven't done the terrible Quark and Drag episode yet. So, oh God, th- that could be a good reference to that when we get to it. I, the my major problem with Quark and Drag was aren't Ferengi women supposed to be naked? Yes, yes, they are. 
No, it's it's not a good episode, but that that'll be all later. of those Ferengi episodes. I was, I mean, they're they're funny in theory. <laughs> they do. They a couple of there's them are okay. There's a nice one where the where there's the woman pretending to be a guy. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. That was an that's early a, one. That was like nice season one. two or something. Yeah. But now, as it goes, I think they get a little more tedious. That's that's my feeling, but I don't. Mm. I don't. I know that everyone doesn't agree with we me. We shall on that. see. Yes. Mm. Okay, is is that all as far as spoilers go? I think so, yeah. I mean, all we right. talked about Waters being good, all the other guys, yeah. Klingons or Klingons. And yeah, we're done with back. the Klingon war now. Now now we can fully concentrate on, like, the next thing's going to be the Cardassian uh, uh, Dominion now Alliance. You, now that you've done the Klingon loyalty quest, they're clear mm-hmm. and you can go and assault the collector base. Yeah, you level up and you change your armor <laughs> and then... Uh, that's how that works, right? Yeah. Okay, Vishal, please uh, promote whatever you wish. You you have free um, reign here to to tell the people where to find you and and so forth. I did not direct the movie either, despite what several people on Twitter <laughs> think. <laughs> he but is I not am. the director. Every time I promote anything involving Vishal, not I now have to tag it. Vishal. Not that. Vishal I love that tag. <laughs> <laughs> um, I so am you can't Vishal get me one on a writer's phone number. I don't think I don't... that guy could anyway. No. Damn it. He must have connections to some hot Bollywood actresses, though, Oh, right? there are only hot Bollywood actresses, and yes, yeah, he exactly. has connections to several of them. So. Well, there you go. That's so, the so... only reason I would invoke his name as my own at some point. <laughs> so like, Indian hey. equivalent of Winona Ryder. <laughs> hmm. Well, she'd have to be married to crazy Indian equivalent of Johnny Depp for a while, right? <laughs> I think Makes so, sense. yeah. Makes sense. I've I've seen some Indian women pull off that that goth look and it it really works. Yeah, we call that just plain, you know, being a teenager. <laughs> they all seem to go through it, right? Uh, but you do you do a web comic and you have I, another website as well. Please to be yes. telling the people. Um, mostly online, I'm at allvishal dot com or on Twitter at allvishal. I also run a web comic which is at least weekly and will be more than weekly in the future. It has uh, been in the past, and it will. It be has again. been That's in the, the past, and it. it will be again. It is uh, called Zero Duck, and it, mm-hmm. you can find it at zeroduck.com. The name means nothing uh, <laughs> except entertainment, hopefully, <laughs> to millions. And, excellent, and and you are also a working designer, like who yes. accepts money to um, do design work. I am a graphic designer and illustrator. You can hire me. Send me uh, an email, or find me on Twitter, or whatever, and I'll send you. Um, you know, we can cool. talk. Right. And and as as I have said, if you want to see samples of his work, you can go to his website. But also, the logo for this show uh, was, was done by Vishal. And I have done the... all your logos. I have pretty much, yes. I think all your current logos are by me, right? Yep. Yes, Sarcastic all of the various uh, podcasts that we have going. It's because you do good work. Uh, yes, it is. Thank you. It's also because I was like, I should do this. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because when you were working on the Sarcastic Voyage, the, the current incarnation of that, you, hmm. you gave me a bunch of great like iterations in between where it's like, that's not what I want, but that's also great. Let's also use that for something else. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure every single sample you sent me has not been used for something. Cause I, you're like, Oh yeah, here's 10 great ideas. Just pick one. I'm like, no, no, I want to use all I of want them. all of these ideas. Yes. All right. Uh, Matt actually relating to uh, websites. Oh you yeah. Have, yeah. You I have um, a small announcement. Tell us me. about that wonderful Tumblr of yours. My, uh, my, what no, if, it's more uh, than a Tumblr now. My what if Ooh. columns now have a uh, new home at forbidden to interfere.com. Mm-hmm. Excellent. They'll also be going up on Tumblr still. Cause you know, I'd hate to lose the 30 people I have on there. Mm-hmm. 
So check that out. Um, I've been going back to the old columns and putting in alt text on all the pictures. Ah, excellent. So I worth love a look. That is, that is a trick that I learned from XKCD, and it's too much work, but it, it, people who do it, it, oh, it, is, a, it is delightful. Uh, and, and also, uh, as we mentioned, yes, we do have the other podcast, Sarcastic Voyage, which is our sketch comedy podcast. Uh, you're always welcome to, to check that out. There is the other occasional podcast that I do called More Bits, which is more of a straightforward interview thing. I mentioned this because Vishal and I sat down and had a discussion about creativity and so forth. Uh, and if you want to listen to us chat about that, uh, that is at more-bits.com. And that's it. Matt, say your thing. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2014. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.